everybody, and welcome to a new week of All Out Brawl. I am Chris. And I'm Sam. And this week, we're going to start diving into a new deck we've updated, or I guess Sam has updated since the rotation. Yeah, so um, before we get into that, um, we did have one thing to pull up. Um, so last week on October 23rd, there was an article on the Magic website, as they typically do. Um, but uh, Maria Bartoldi um, did a, a short little article where she uh, brewed up five different decks that were for Brawl um, for each of the five guilds from Guild of Ravnica. So she's got an Atrada, she's got a Vraska. She's got uh, an Aurelia, she's got uh, Trostani, and a Nivmizit Perrin. So if you're interested in any of those, um, I would recommend checking it out. Um, she kind of gives a little explanation as to what she's doing in each of them. Um, it was cool. Uh, nice to see some you know, actual content about Brawl from Wizards. So Yeah, and that, Maria, is one half of the um, good luck high five, um, I guess, content creation group used to be i think magic the amateuring okay cool yeah yeah so this was a pretty good article Uh, the decks kind of run the span of the guild so you get a feel for what each is trying to do and it also just reminded me as i'm looking at it again that we're getting some alternative art atrata Mm -hmm. in the guild whatever they're called coming out soon so yeah also izoni Eyes and yep. I, as we have branded so, her. So, yeah, that's something to look forward to too. Those are not standard legal; those products, but yeah, they will have some standard legal cards that are worth maybe looking into. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good point. Um, unfortunately, I, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but the guild kits won't will have cards that aren't standard legal, which means they're not brawl legal. But they will have this alternate art Atrada. They'll have an alternate art Eisenai. Uh, um, they'll also have a couple cards from Guilds of Ravnica that are all standard legal. Um, but they will have some other ones too. So, I mean, obviously, if you're a brawl player, you're probably also an EDH player, so you're probably gonna let, want them anyway. But um, uh, the lands all also look really cool so but also if you're a an art buff this atrada alternate art is pretty pretty beautiful so yeah we're taking a look into yeah but so we'll have a link to that in the show notes if you're if you missed it um but you should check it out but so like chris was saying this week um we're gonna start talking about decks again like we've done in the past um but i figured it was a nice a nice way to kick that off would be to start with a deck that we've talked about before um but that has been altered um for the new standard so uh i brought this deck um back in the summer um because it was using a dominaria excuse me a dominaria legendary as the brawler and it used a lot of um Kaladesh and Amonkhet cards in addition to Dominaria and Ixalan cards. Um, So that was Tiana, uh, Ship's Caretaker. Uh, You'll remember she is the uncommon legendary red-white angel from Dominaria who uh, cares about your uh, auras and equipment going to the graveyard because at end of turn, you return all the ones that were put there 
into the graveyard that turn to your hand. So um, it really works well with a lot of the artifact and equipment synergies in Kaladesh, as well as there are some really interesting aura synergies from Amonkhet um, with things like the uh, overwhelming splendor, the curse that humiliated someone, or the um, uh, pacifism that in addition to making it so a creature can attack or block, also stapled on the ability to like let the controller sacrifice the creature um, because that worked really well, Tiana. Um, and so uh, at the time, you know, we had a lot of things to choose from, and it was a really fun deck to build because it was a really interesting kind of Voltron-y strategy in addition to being this kind of um, control auras. Um, but then rotation came, um, and what that meant was we kind of lost some of those artifact strategies as well as some of those curse and uh, control enchantment strategies, um, but I really liked the deck, and I didn't want to let it go, so I decided I was going to kind of rebuild it using the Boros Guild from Guilds of Ravnica. Um, so a lot, it turns out a lot of the equipment and enchantment theme did stay, um, because it synergizes really well with Mentor, the new mechanic from Boros. So you mentioned a lot of the cards that you lost, which were these really cool Kaladesh um, equipment and auras. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that whole controlling pacifism, Luminous Bonds type idea. Yeah. Uh, but what what are you gaining from... Like, you had to get rid of all this stuff. What are you adding, and what are you using to fill in those gaps now that we have the boros guild in um guilds of ravnica because this color pairing is pretty prominent in this set so you'd think this whole archetype has um good support right but then you get into the nuance and these strategies are kind of different boros as a guild is a little bit different than what you were doing so how did you kind of go about that yeah well so um tiana specifically says on the card the words equipment and aura um and unfortunately the boros had never really been about that in fact no one like ravnica is a set or as a guild sorry as a plane (laughs) uh has never really had a strong artifact uh focus so it's definitely not like a kaladesh or marodin where we got like a ton of equipment a lot of artifact synergy where it's you know you have like the one drops that are like if you have an artifact this gets plus one plus oh or you know the dwarves that say if you have three artifacts, this thing gains first strike at the beginning of combat. Um, we don't have any of those, but we... And unfortunately, we don't have a lot of enchantments either, um, because while Ravnica does have some enchantment strategies, including some... Like, especially in the Selesnia, um, the Boros have never really had that. They've always been more of an aggressive, attacking, um, you know, just a really... St- heavy combat strategy which is where boros usually like where a lot of conceptions about boros come from um but the, they're oh go for it then so the nice thing about boros and guilds though is this new mechanic mm-hmm. uh, mentor which kind of works with the whole idea of suiting up a creature to um like a start attacking and then improving your smaller guys which we got a lot of in um Guilds of Ravnica, and it just so happens that both of the Boros legendary creatures from guilds had this keyword tacked onto them. Yeah, yeah, because we've talked about it in the past, but Mentor um, obviously is the mechanic that says whenever this creature attacks, um, you can put a plus one plus one counter on another attacking creature that has lesser power. Um, And so there's a lot of interesting strategies with the fact that it kind of, 
it's not essentially it's not effectively go wide but it is go tall in the sense that you're going to have a smaller number of creatures but you want to make them all really big um so it does actually work really well with the idea of oh i'm going to put all of my equipments and art and and enchantments onto this creature but then when i swing with this creature it makes my other creatures also get the bonus of extra plus almost one counters which is great because especially for a multiplayer game the likelihood that I'm going to be able to keep all those creatures is low. Um, but if, you know, if one of them, if my big mentor creature gets killed in combat or killed by a trick or whatever, then I can just move all of those equipment over to the next one and then use that one to mentor. Or if it doesn't have a mentor, just have like a really big smashy creature. So, yeah. Uh, along those lines, though, there were a couple things in Guilds of Ravnica that kind of, you know, still, like, there's still some equipment and enchantments. Um, there was Glaive of the Guild Pact, which is the sword that gives Vigilance and Menace. It also gives a bonus for the number of guild gate or for the number of gates that you have. But unfortunately, there's one guild gate that I can run. Um, I guess. Two. Well, okay, I could run the five color one, I guess, but I don't really want to. Like, it doesn't seem worth it. Yeah, it's very counteractive to what Boros is trying to do, which is like play creatures on curve perfectly and curve out. So. Yeah. Um, and also, the the main thing is I'm running it because it gives Vigilance and Menace. I'm not running it for the bonus, really, because, honestly, Vigilance and Menace are just really good keywords to have. Especially stapled onto the same creature. Yeah, because it means that um, my mentor creatures don't have to tap to give plus one, plus one counters to other creatures, and also that it's harder to kill them in combat because they have to be blocked by at least two creatures. So, um yeah, I just I think that's really good. And then um of course we also got so we got a reprint of Luminous Bonds, which I am salty about personally, but I mean I guess at this point I have to run it because it's the only pacifism effect really in standard anymore. Um but so I'm running Luminous Bonds. Uh, I'm running Demotion, which is the one drop that makes it so a creature can't block and also its activated abilities can't be activated. Um, I've yeah. found that second line of text to be quite relevant in my own playing of this card so far because it stops like Slimefoot's activated ability, Azoni's, um, Kazarov's, uh, Shalai's, Ariel's. Like, yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it gets a lot of, for one mana, it, like shuts down a lot of the stronger activated ability strategies. Yeah. And especially since there's not any, like, I mean, there's obviously the downside that like, you're going to get hit with that creature probably. Um, But even then, like, it's not that big a downside because we don't have to worry about taking a specific amount of damage from any one creature. um, And usually you can find a way to block it or things like that. But um, I also added back in swash. Well, back in kind of uh but i added swashbuckling from ixalan to replace some of the other auras that i lost which is just the two mana plus two plus two in haste um which is also really good like it turns out uh there's not a lot of ways to grant haste in this format so having an extra enchantment that does so is awesome um and then the other one from guilds of ravnica that i have on this is a uh, candlelight vigil which is a little costly it's a four drop enchantment aura but it does give a bonus as well as vigilance which we already just talked about how important vigilance is but i i honestly feel like that card is well costed for the bonus it gives too because it's plus three plus two in vigilance right yeah i think so four mana which is not bad and i think attaching that to aurelia and swinging just 
feels so good because then you you kind of just don't even have to use her ability to mentor herself. You can start mentoring your other creatures to get in there. Yeah, and Cause, yeah, because that's yeah. Uh, yeah. So to clarify, yeah, Aurelia's ability, um, just as a refresher, she's that four drop angel. She has mentor, um, but she also has at the beginning of combat on your turn. So before you do mentor stuff, um, target creature you control gets plus two plus zero. And if it's white, it gains vigilance. And if it's red, it gains trample. So the main idea is that you can kind of use her to turn herself into a four five flying, vigilant, trampling mentoring angel um but you can also do it with your other creatures and one of the nice things like we were talking about with these multiples of giving her vigilance is it means that i don't have to target her anymore um and that she can also just be a good mentor anyway because if i've dropped candlelight vigil on her suddenly she's already at like a five six or so or a five seven with vigilance and i mean that by itself is already super powerful but then i can also mentor other things and make sure that those things have vigilance um yeah it's just really good um yeah i mean we do run into the same problem so i'm in a note here where um the big reason that people don't run a lot of auras in especially more limited or more you know standard type of play and why people think they're not very good is because you can easily get two for one and obviously the big thing from my original deck is that with Tiana, I don't get two for one because Tiana saves all those auras when they go to the graveyard. Um, so it is a little uh, problematic in some cases that I still am running quite a few auras. And like when they get removed, they just get removed at this point because I mean, I, I have Tiana in the deck still because she's a great three, three first striker in the air for five mana. Um, but uh, I don't always have access to her, which is a little more problematic. Um, but it means, in general, I think I've mostly actually... I, I think it's pushing me more towards more equipment-based strategies rather than aura ones. I still have quite a few auras, but I think, you know, as time goes on. Do you have any means of recurring your auras or equipment in the deck? Because I remember we had... You were playing, like, Tragic Poet. And I'm not sure what else you've either gained or lost in that regard. So I actually, I don't think I run Tragic Poet. Um, I used to run the Kaladesh Dwarf that... Oh, she, yeah, that's what I was thinking yeah, of. Not yeah, yeah, you could sacrifice her to get back an aura or an enchantment and an artifact. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess I could run Tragic Poet. At this point, I'm not really running anything because it's more... It's somewhat easier to just keep going than it is to try to recur things from the graveyard. Um, I know we're in red-white and we don't have a lot of card draw, but I do have a couple things like Rogue's Gloves or uh, even Boros Locket that let me draw cards. In addition to, of course, the card we talked about, uh, Experimental Frenzy. We talked about it last week, but that card can really just kind of push this out of the gate because you, if you end up if you play it when you have no cards in hand suddenly you're just playing three or four cards a turn in you know best case scenario worst case you're playing like one to two cards a turn and that's still pretty good so yeah you're probably going to hear us talk about experimental frenzy and like every red deck we talk about because i'm still very high on that card Mm -hmm. and i think it's worth running in like any deck that's playing red especially the um boros type decks where you're Spells probably cost a little less than average deck, and you're trying to, like, create a big board presence or have these big explosive turns. Yeah, and I mean, that's the other big thing, too, is that along with, um, because originally, so when I originally built the deck, 
uh, Tiana kind of encouraged me to build more around the idea of not necessarily big fat creatures, but like mid range, you know, my Danathas, my Valduks, my rampaging Ferocidons, um, all of those kind of like mid range creatures that already are pretty good on their own, but get way better when you start putting more stuff on them. Um, and so one of the things with the Boros is that I can kind of move towards a more typical Boros strategy, which is that I move towards smaller stuff. I still have a lot of the mid-range stuff, but I also added a lot of, like, Healer's Hawk, Boros Challenger, Swiftblade Vindicator, Sunhome Stalwart, just a ton of, like, one and two drops that have a lot of extra bonus when you equip them with a lot of stuff, but on their own are a little less, I don't know, threatening, a little less useful than some of those mid-range options so i guess in discussing new tools um did you add any so boros is kind of like the go wide um with little guy strategy did you add any anthems or anything like banalish marshall or something like that to the stack no because i'm still not going super wide like okay yeah like even though i did add some of these smaller things i'm still not going much wider than I was before um, because there's not outside of say like Legion war boss. I don't think there's a lot of token creation in the Boros stuff from guild of Ravnica. Like there just isn't a lot of support for creating token creatures and going super okay. wide. Yeah. So I guess that's, that's okay with the rally because you can kind of just bank on two creatures her and then another one that you're kind of improving with her, right? Yeah, no, like I was saying, the the nice thing is that instead of going really wide, I'm kind of going tall, but not with a single creature. I'm going tall with like two or three creatures because then, you know, one of them gets removed. I can just suit them all up to the next one and then, you know, at, at, keep going that way. Um, because in the couple of games I have played, I found that Aurelia tends to die a lot um, because people find her to be fairly threatening um but the nice thing is that if she is already kind of beefed up another mentor creature once she comes down um then you can just start mentoring her and then kind of making a cycle back in so yeah um i did lose some other stuff too and like this was just kind of a a feature of losing four sets um but i lost a couple board wipes and i lost you know some kind of targeted removal type of stuff. I did get a couple things like deafening clarion helps to deal with smaller, you know, token strategies and wiping that those would, boards. That would put you up against the Selesnia deck. Like anytime you played it. Yeah. And, uh, the problem is just that right now there's not a lot else. Like I'm not running star of extinction. I guess I could, I'm not running, um, cleansing Nova just cause I don't have one. If I did, I probably would find a place for it just cause I think it, this is kind of the deck I would want that in because it means that I can wipe the board of creatures or if I have Tiana out, I could, if I need to, wipe enchantments and artifacts and then get them oh, back. So speaking of that, it seems like you've kept Tiana in the deck, which is pretty good, right? Yeah, no, like I said, she's a 3-3 flying first strike angel for five mana, which with the upside of when your auras and equipment get put into the graveyard, you get them back. So I feel like, honestly, she's still worth keeping because I run Quende, she becomes a double striker. I run a ton of equipments and enchantments that all just slot right on. Um, and Aurelia even gives her that plus two plus O oh bonus 
and Vigilance and Trample because she's both red and white. So honestly, so really yeah, good. yeah, I think she's just a really good add to the deck. Like for a red white deck, she's just a good creature in addition to having that ability. Are you running Lyra? I am not because I don't. I mean. As much as I love angels and, like, angel tribal, I do only run two angels. <laughs> they are Aurelia and Tiana. I I mean, it might be worth considering because your um, brawler is an angel, so you're always going to get that upside of, you have Lyra, you're going to have a 3-6 lifelinking angel? Yeah, I guess that's true. I The main thing is that... One, I own a single copy of Lyra Dawnbringer, and oh, she's okay. kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, but also, I don't know. It's just, I think in general, I'm trying to avoid adding too many high-cost creatures because yeah. I know that I'm in red-white, and I'm not deluded about that fact. So like, so you're curving into Aurelia. You're not curving after her. Not really. Yeah, I have maybe like three or four creatures that are more costly than her, but even then... Like, they have to be real good. Like, oh, I'm trying to think if I even have anything that's really all that expensive. Nope. Yeah, like, it's mostly three and four drops to then suit them up with additional things. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's different, for sure. Um, and unfortunately, it's just a feature of rotation that it's not exactly the same thing that was before. But at the same time... That's also kind of nice because it means I get to do something new rather than just plotting away in the same same stuff. So what are some of these new cards that you have here that you've added um, with uh, Guilds of Ravnica? Well, I've already talked about a lot of them, but... But some of the smaller creatures, I don't know if you mentioned them. They're kind of interesting in this type of deck. Yeah, so like Healer's Hawk, which is the one mana 1-1 one, one with flying and lifelink, which, I mean... It's just a really good target for dumping everything on and also, you know, getting bigger with Mentor. Um, Boros Challenger is the two drop with Mentor that has the uh, four mana activated ability to give himself plus one plus one until end of turn in order to, you know, help make him bigger, help him mentor stuff. Um, Swiftblade Vindicator is the two mana one one with Trample, Double Strike, and Vigilance, um, which is kind of obviously supposed to be a mentor target but also you know anything else that bumps his power or gives him an additional ability like menace is very good um and then sunhome stalwart is just a two mana two two with first strike and mentor um which is another one that's just you know he's already good but when i can put more stuff on him or help you know have him mentor something else it's just even better so so do you think you'd consider running any of the other Boros, like, big baddies, like the true fire captain or the stoneweaver giant? Um, I think part of the problem is that a lot of the, like, a lot of those have a discrepancy in the power and toughness that makes them really vulnerable in combat. Um, okay. I was thinking maybe about adding true fire captain. I haven't done it yet, but uh, I like some of the smaller ones just because they have the even power toughness, which makes it easier for me to pump them up with um abilities and honestly i think part of the problem is i don't have a lot of things that give first strike i run dub and i run um uh forebear's blade doesn't give first strike i'm trying to think if there's man see that's the problem is i just have i don't have a lot of stuff that gives first strike and 
while those ones are really good, if you do have a way of giving them first strike, they're not as good because, you know, Barging Sergeant is a 4-2 for 5 mana that will probably just die the first time it attacks because it's only got mm-hmm. that 2 toughness. Um, so, yeah. What about Blackblade Reforged? Oh, That'd I run that. Pretty... Okay, because like the the whole idea here is why it's good is it's vol it can be Voltron pretty easily because you have a um, cheaply costed essentially four or five flyer when it matters. Yeah, I mean, so with all these good keyword abilities. Yeah, I, the the big problem obviously is that Blackblade Reforged costs seven to equip to non legendary creatures. So like it's great for Aurelia and it's great for Tiana and it's great for Tajik. Um, and it's great for Danatha, and it's great for Quende. Like, there's a ton of things it's really good for, but unfortunately, like, if I run things like True Fire Captain or, you know, the even, like, the Swiftblade Vindicator or the Boros Challenger, it costs seven mana to equip to those ones, and it's just a lot. So, yeah, I mean, um, you're right that it does have, like, that Voltron side, and it can pretty easily... I think that's part of it, is one of the nice things about this deck, and it was true in the Tiana form, too, is that um it does a fairly good job of kind of maintaining a board presence for the like for the early game when there's four people and you know kind of you know it it would take out one or two people at a time by being like removing their creatures you know bump bumping up my creatures swinging in um overwhelming splendoring those types of things um, but then in the late game, it's pretty easy to just imme- then focus in on one person and kind of just eradicate them if it's like 1v1 at the end. So, Wow. So you're talking about games you were playing with Tiana, right? Since you mentioned Overwhelming Splendor. Yes. Um, but I, I feel but like Are- what if- Aurelia kind of does the same thing. Okay. In that um, by kind of just, I don't know, maintaining a good board state especially with this creature heavy format being able to answer like the big threats that come my way then like when i can kind of just like last out to the very end it really shines i don't know so you have played with this deck a bit how has it felt and like what are some of the what are some of the highlights from gameplay with this deck i guess like have you noticed it overperforming or underperforming or um i mean it's been I haven't played with it that much. I've only played a couple games. Um, I guess it kind of did exactly what I expected, which is that it, like, I dumped my entire hand on the board, and then I attacked a bit, and then I didn't draw anything, Um, which unfortunately does happen with red-white quite a bit. But um, I don't know. I still like it. I'm not tearing it apart anytime soon, and I'm going to keep playing it, so. How do you... so? You kind of, as you add more opponents to the battlefield, do you think it's going to fare worse then from what you just said? Kind of run out of steam and, and I think that's always been the, um, downside to this color combo. Yeah. Right. Like in commander, it's like touted as the worst combo because you don't have the card advantage you need and you generally don't have the tools you need to, uh, kind of play that late long game yeah i mean i don't know i think i think it's fine i think that red white um especially since brawl only has 30 life and there's a lot more focus on combat i think that red white can actually prepare itself pretty well for the late game by just make like especially this type of deck where it's not necessarily going wide but you're going tall and 
without a lot of board wipes in the format, your creatures are probably going to survive. Like, yep. yeah. So, I mean, I think that they're a little well, a little more prepared for the late game than um, maybe they are in like a commander format. Yeah. And as much as your friends might hate it, like this is an aggro deck. So you're going to be dropping creatures quickly. You're going to be swinging with them early. You're going to be making enemies pretty quickly. Like, even if you have to, you could probably kill somebody pretty quickly as like a, I'm going to 1v1 you for a bit and get you out of the game since you're like kind of going off right now and like can kind of play it a little bit more strategic too. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, the main thing is there's like, there are a few decks that really kind of stomp on this, which is like control. (laughs) So in typical fashion, you probably would target the people who are going to be trying to prevent you from playing a lot of creatures and swinging really fast um, because that's what, your deck is doing so so yeah if you see that azor player or that maldrotha player you might want to consider focusing on them for a little bit before the other people yeah and i mean hopefully your play group is well aware of the fact that those players are going to be problematic <laughs> um if someone brings a teferi deck to the table they're asking for it like <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. I'm I'm excited to play with this some more. Um, I th- I'm hoping that in the future there might be some more um, some more auras and equipment because I did really like that Tiana deck, um, and it would be really cool to see if I could make a newer version of it based on you know maybe some of the things that come out in the next year. Um, I don't really. It's not that I don't really have my hopes up for that. It's more that like. I don't know. I also like this Aurelia version. It's not bad. It's just different. So Yeah, and we are sticking in Ravnica for a while, so we might not see that support for a while. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Um, so, this last note, did you mention that? Yeah, no. Uh, like I said earlier... Um, one of the things I've noticed with it that's a little more problematic in, in those two for one cases, which are usually people's reason for not playing auras. Um, Tiana is a way better com- or like a way better brawler um, because I have a lot more access to her. If I have, I mean, she costs five. So that's usually like the top end of my curve and would be usually the problem with the deck in the, in the old format or in the old way. Um, but uh, if I, got her out i wouldn't have to worry anymore about my enchantments being a wasted spell whereas now with aurelia at the helm um i do still have some issues with that where you know if i play that demotion you know they might just find a way to sack their creature or um you know they might just swing at someone else and someone else blocks it for them and then i i just lose demotion but so i think the idea there is when you do cast these pacifism type effects, this deck kind of needs to take advantage of them immediately and attack through them. Or, like, you're not doing it in a controlling manner where you're, like, turning off that creature and waiting until maybe later game. You're turning off that creature's ability to do stuff and trying to take advantage of it right away, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, like like I was saying, if it's with Aurelia, I mean, she's really powerful, and it's just more that she's in the typical boros vein which is combat swing you know beat them to death 
before they have a chance to cast any spells type of thing so cool i i i'm honestly enjoying playing with my boros deck too yeah uh and i think it's it's fun in this format where you do start with less life and it's a little less competitive and you can kind of get away with playing those healers hawks and those well and um, swift blade vindicators i mean it's not getting away with it because those things are actually really powerful in the boros deck because yeah exactly yeah i mean technically they're not cards you would see like in super competitive constructed decks but because we're playing brawl the singleton format where sure. you can play <clears throat> this one one flying lifelinker that synergizes super well with everything else you're doing in your deck. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just nice to play it. It's fun. This is part of magic. <laughs> and that's like the main point, right? Is to build the decks you're going to enjoy. Even if they might not be the strongest. Like Sam's mentioning he really liked his Tiana deck. And now, since he lost a lot of the stuff for it, <clears throat> he kind of morphed it into this Aurelia strategy since they're um both benefit from kind of getting suited up and attacking yeah um yeah it's just uh, like kind of going back to that thing with edh is that it's uh it's nice to just be able to play in a format where combat like you know listen to command zone whatever you want they do say that with the stats they talked about the like combat is the most common way of killing people um but i feel like in brawl it's especially true because it's so creature heavy um yeah and i think combat in brawl is about blocking and uh maybe a combat trick or two Mm -hmm. and really kind of weighing your options in that declare attackers and declare blockers step whereas attacking in commander is crater hoof behemoths or um, something that's just, or I guess Triumph of the Hordes, where you're winning through attacking, but you're not attacking every turn. You're attacking on that one big final turn. Right, yeah. And I think this sort of gameplay in Brawl is, I don't know, just a little bit more fun for me because it's more interaction and more, um, there's more thought to put into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, and I, I don't know. I like red-white um, as much as I poo-poo on it a little bit when I'm, you know, drafting and stuff because the really spiky competitive people always try to play it um i do like it i understand why they want to play it because it's pretty powerful you know and like even if we're even though we're in the multiplayer format i feel like they've in this standard we have enough tools to at least like i was kind of saying talking about the deck i can at least hold my own um I might not be killing anyone super fast if I'm, you know, playing more defensively, but I at least can avoid some of the pitfalls of, you know, oh, I turn all my creatures sideways and then I'm super vulnerable to the three attack backs, you know, like, yeah. So I don't know if this episode is good, to be quite honest. I don't. I think so. I liked it. Okay. Well, that's what we had then. That was this week. Uh, let us know if you liked what you heard. Um, we can definitely do more things like this in the future. Um, we'll definitely talk about more decks in the future. Um, but like, yeah, we can talk about decks that we've upgraded. We can talk about decks that we've recently built. Um, and we can also talk about decks that you're interested in. If you have 
brawlers that you uh, think are really interesting or if you've built your own brawl decks. We always love talking about um, deck lists that people have sent us and things like that. Um, you can do that on Twitter at AllOutBrawlMTG or by email AllOutBrawlMTG at gmail.com. And a special thank you to Awkward Bun for providing our um, podcast cover art and for Volmerson for making our Twitter cover art. Yep. And, of course, as always, thanks to Aunt Neely for our intro-outro music, Might As Well Whistle, which you can find on the Free Music Archive, just like we did. Um, you can also see, or if you're interested in finding more uh, magic content, you can see Chris on Twitch at twitch.tv slash R-E-T-T-O-T-O. That's Rototo. Um, he likes to play Arena sometimes. Um, and yeah, watch that if you're, if you're interested. Until next time, I have been Chris. And I've been Sam. And this was All Out Brawl. Brawl. <laughs>